0: This is what my mission to bring for you, different paradigm, uh, that running is a skill and you have to learn. And this is what nature gives you, gait. It's a gait called pose and running. And hold three elements which is running comes to only to pose, fall, pull. We have to only define what is pose What is fall and what is pull? One single step, cycle, create your beautiful running.
1: Hi, I'm Lynn McFadden, Pose Method Master Coach. The Gravity of Movement is a podcast by and for Pose Method Technique specialists. Our goal in making this podcast is to foster a spirit of connection amongst Pose Method coaches and to start conversations and ultimately to assist the pose coaching community develop their business by supporting their passion for helping people move better. Throughout my more than 25 years of training and coaching using the pose method, from when I was trained as an athlete by Dr. Romanoff to being one of the first coaches certified by him, the resistance to the pose theory from the running community and from other running coaches has always been a very frustrating part of being a pose coach. Twenty years ago, in an interview with Mike Riley, the voice of Ironman, on his The Sports You Do radio program, Nicholas was asked about the difficulty of finding coaches who embraced his ideas, and here's what he had to say. What about on the coaching side of the business? You know, there's so many high school coaches and college university coaches and coaches of, uh, you know, runners out of college and, and the same in the triathlon world with all these coaches. Do you find some reluctancy from these coaches to adopt your pose method? I mean, how do you get to the coaches and try to teach them so they teach all these athletes? Because obviously you can't teach all the athletes.
2: Yes, sir. I have a deep desire to... Uh, Go with my colleagues together on this discussion, and uh, um, uh, bring them on my side. It will be very helpful for them. But the problem is always goes to the human uh, psychological, uh, psycho-emotional contents of life. You know, they were taught in different system of uh, uh, different point of views or different paradigm of uh, teaching, and it's uh, a lot of. Uh, things which we call um, uh, habits, um, um, uh, different school of view, and uh, that's why people very, uh, it's in human nature, it's not just some particularly person, it's uh, just human nature, be reluctant to change. But one very interesting person, Charles Catherine, told that um, people hate, uh, the change, but this is only one which brings us to progress, <laughs> you know
1: right well, it's almost interesting because it's it's to the fact that when someone gets into the habit of doing something uh mentally it's harder to change than it usually is physically
2: it's correct uh, it's uh, it's the first obstacle which we have to take over.
1: Our hope in bringing you this podcast is to build the post coaching community stronger and stronger, to find ways to overcome that resistance and to use post theory and techniques to help our athletes and clients move better and achieve their personal and athletic goals. This podcast is also for the passionate runners and athletes of all disciplines looking for long sought after answers on how to run and move and perform optimally we know that their enjoyment and performance can be greatly improved through Pose Method. Through a deeper understanding of how running and all athletic movement actually works, the movement problems of the world can be solved. Pose Method offers that understanding. All that's needed is an open mind and a willingness to look at movement in a new way, in a way we've never done before. We hope you enjoy this first episode.
0: Hmm. Pose, it's a language, movement, language by which we are interacting with nature.
3: Hi, this is Tracy Peel, and welcome to the inaugural Gravity of Movement podcast. Uh, I'm a speed and movement coach and running specialist, and we're here today to talk about the pose method of running, which was developed by Dr. Nicholas Romanoff. Uh, we won't so much be delving deep into the science of what Dr. Romanov discovered, but we will want to just talk about the real-life, day-to-day issues involving being a pose method coach. Uh, to do that, we've assembled some of the most renowned pose coaches in the world. Uh, we have Simon Payne from the United Kingdom. We have Christopher Drozd from United States, Weiland Heiser, who's a pose master coach in Europe. Another pose master coach down in Florida, Lynn McFadden. What we're going to do first is have them introduce themselves, talk a little bit about how they're introducing to the pose method, which will familiarize you with the theory a little bit more, and then we'll continue from there. Simon, you're up first.
4: Great. Uh, okay, so I'm a level two pose coach, and I've been doing it for 13 years. Um, I I mainly do personal training. I've been doing that for 15 years. Uh, I've been a CrossFit coach for eight years, and I co-run a local gym uh, as well. And I teach a bit of pose running within that too.
3: Cool. Chris?
5: Well, I've been
4: a fitness coach for
5: near 40 years, pose coach for near 20 years, and hypnotherapist for a little better than a decade and I'm in Los Angeles. Nice. Why,
6: I'm a level four coach. As, um, I'm covering uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland mainly, and all over Europe uh, for certifications and normal running classes. I'm on the business for about 15 years now, and also a CrossFit level one coach, and uh, living in Cologne area. Nice. And Lynn?
1: Hi, I'm Lynn McFadden, and um, I've been teaching Pose Method for about over 20 years now. Um, I learned Pose Method from Dr. Romanoff as an athlete. I live in Miami, and um, I started learning as an athlete, and then went on to work with uh, runners myself.
3: Let's run with that a little bit. So how was your introduction to Dr. Romanoff?
1: Well I had been um, living in Miami for several years and um, after being injured on and off for many many years I was um, thinking that I would just have to stick to cycling and triathlon but I was introduced to him through a friend of mine that was doing an interview with him and I didn't think that I would be able to get any help because I had already tried to get get help. I was, you know, a veteran runner, you could say at that point, approaching 40. So uh, when I first started working with him, uh, I realized right away that it was different from uh, anything I had ever done before as far as seeking help for injuries. And within uh, a year and a half of working with him, I was competitive again, like I had never been before. So I realized that I uh, had found something that was truly revolutionary. And uh, because of that, I became a coach. I, I, I didn't necessarily have aspirations to become a coach, but because this knowledge was so different from everything that I had been given before, I became very uh, interested in trying to help other people understand it so that they could, too, benefit from, from uh, the knowledge.
3: in, well, how are you introduced to the method?
6: Um, I started as well as a runner because I had a couple of problems, mainly in my knees, and I uh, can't get rid of it so uh, i searched the internet because i had about a three month path and i searched the internet during this time and uh, found the pose method and also recognized the difference in theory first because there was very less uh, offers in seminars or personal coaching there's only one doctor physio in in the south of germany uh, which did that, and it took a couple months uh, since he started his next course. So I attended this course and immediately, when I started this, uh, my problems get rid of. So uh, <clears throat> I keep going on with that and half a year later, I improve my half marathon time, about 15-20 minutes or so. Which was with very little training. So, uh, and then from that point on, I started to dive in and study more and more and more, and you know, get uh, also connected to Nicholas and <clears throat> did my level one at uh, uh, as a beginning, and then uh, start coaching from there because I was so, so happy uh, because it's so a quick fix, as we call it.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of us found the injury prevention and rehabilitation aspects of the pose
5: method you know, really brought us in tighter. Chris, how about you? Well, as a muscle head back in the 90s, uh, getting into triathlon, I was looking for whatever advantages I could, and I was also writing for some fitness magazines, and, and I had seen the pose method advertised, but I sort of dismissed it along with the other classified ads in the back of the magazines. Uh, And then Nicholas happened to come to Santa Monica, and I saw that advertised, and I I called him up. actually spoke to his wife and said, hey, I'd like to do an article on this. It sounds pretty interesting. And uh, I did the weekend seminar and was was quite impressed with the method and how it was presented and how the potential for preventing injuries was um, made very, very clear. So I, I pursued it further from there, uh, of course, studying with Nicholas in um, uh, in Miami a couple of times, and he came out here. I hosted some clinics at my studio, and uh, and so on and so on. So I came at it uh, not so much as something that I had planned to use for myself, but just as research. And it turned out to be the, the uh, pretty much the be-all be end-all. Cool. And Simon from across the
3: pond, uh, how did you meet Dr. Romanoff? and how did you get into pose although usually those are sometimes the same thing but maybe not in your case
4: how did i meet him or how did i get into pose
3: uh how'd you get into pose
4: (laughs) (laughs) usually
3: usually sometimes they're the same thing but maybe not in your case
4: (laughs) no it was slightly different um so i started uh, so i did sports science uh sport and exercise science as a degree at leeds met university and I came off the back of that thinking, I knew about biomechanics. We'd done some force plate work and you know you, you learn a few different things. But I thought I knew a bit about, about biomechanics and then I became a personal trainer. I just felt like that was my kind of passion. And over a, a set of two or three years, I just realized that I really liked running and I, I, I couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to um, justify how to run better to people <laughs> it was just you know train a bit more you'd be all right and um, and so I, I, re, I researched into it I just had a look at you know is there any coaching for, for technique and I couldn't find a single thing uh, and then a few months later I get called up to a job interview in London with um, Lee Satsby who headed it and he offered the idea of doing uh, a wild fitness uh, personal training type job. And I thought that was really fascinating. Part of that uh, experience of getting the job was to learn how to run. And I thought at the time I was a really good runner. I, I mean, I'm, my 10 K's were under 40 minutes at that point. And so I thought, I don't really need to know. I haven't had an injury. Uh, it's, it's not really worth my time, but I'll listen to it. And the, the change for me was watching my video analysis. Um, that was the key, you know, I saw myself run across the screen in slow motion. I thought, all well, that. Doesn't look perfect, but you know, it's still fast. And then he went, he broke it down. He told me all the kind of nuances of of what I was doing. And then it sort of struck me like a light bulb that there's, there's far more to running than I've ever thought about. And so I got angry about my degree because they've obviously taught me stuff that, you know, there was way more that I could have been taught. And, uh, I felt, I felt like there's a lot of years to catch up on. So I just started reading about it immediately. Uh, I did a race almost straight away after that uh, first kind of introduction to pose. It wasn't a level one. I did a race, a half marathon and got injured almost straight away. First time ever. I thought, well, this is nonsense. (laughs) It was probably the best experience of my life though, because it really taught me that I didn't really respect the technique part still. And so when i went to do my level one because i was still fascinated by it all uh, that's when i really kind of got down to the nitty-gritty parts of pose method it wasn't just about pulling your foot or leaning a lot and um and then i realized okay i can go more into it i did a level two almost a year or two years later and then uh, the level two is an introduction to dr romanoff where i was like okay he, he's really clarified it all for me because level one was great but level two was really kind of like oh. oh the information I thought I knew, I really know now. So um, that's where I started.
3: That's very interesting. Uh, my story was a little bit different. Uh, I met Dr. Romanoff or got introduced to the methodology indirectly. And I uh, started my career as a D1 athlete playing basketball uh, for four years in college. Uh, left that and started to work in fitness centers as a personal trainer, moved into strength conditioning, And at that point in my life, I was uh, getting certified as a triathlon coach. And in that community, at that moment, um, when you got introduced to the running portion, they mentioned Poe's method and and Dr. Romanov's methodology. And so I went out and got the DVD and uh, started looking at this little Russian man hopping around and Florida with uh, talking about gravity and cheetahs and wheels and I had you know no clue what he was talking about so I further investigated and eventually got him on the phone and invited him up to Delaware where I was living at the time and he hosted a clinic for me. How did everyone else here feel about themselves the first time they saw uh, their running form on video? Uh, I know personally I was horrified by my technique. very strange and surreal to watch yourself on camera running. Weiland, uh, how did you feel the first time?
6: First time, it was, uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I never thought uh, it would look like this. Uh, I I had a good feeling of my running style, technique, whatever you want to call it. But uh, nevertheless, I had these problems in my knees uh, over and over again. and. Uh, so there must be a, a reason because i i see a lot of doctors and physios and nobody could fix it really properly so um, um when when i started with my first uh, running class uh we did a quick video and uh it was clear for me what is the problem you know as usually everybody does is the overstriding thing because i'm uh I came background was uh, um, triathlon, and uh, so in triathlon you stretch your legs and you know get as much distance covered as possible. You know, so <clears throat> and when I saw my first video, <clears throat> it was absolutely clear because I got a little of introduction into the post theory uh, from Dr. Um, Frank Weinart, He was the the mentor of this uh, course, and he said, "Well, this is a classical." Fault, you know, so um, that, that was clear for me, and from that on, I, I tried to fix it quickly. And we had a lot of trills he gave, and uh, so it was pretty good, you know.
3: Now, Chris, how did you feel about your first
5: video analysis experience? Well, I was a little disappointed at the end, I didn't think I really got it, but looking back, I was better than I thought I was at the time. And there was at a faster pace, there was not all that much different uh difference in in what I was doing. At a slower pace there was, because I'd been wearing uh generally heavier running shoes, but by this point I'd sort of graduated into racing flats. Uh so a little less heel strike than uh than most of the people I see now. But over the years, it's refined, and uh, and it's uh, you know depending on the day, depending on the year, uh, it <laughs> it looks pretty good or yeah, <laughs>
0: okay.
3: Well, you know, Chris, perception is a bitch, uh, <laughs> so it makes it very challenging. Lynn, uh, really quickly, uh, how was your first experience seeing yourself running on camera?
1: Well, actually, for me, because I was such an early student, we didn't really have video cameras at the ready. So I worked with Nicholas for a long time before being videoed. And then the first time I saw myself on camera was in probably around 2001, 2000 something like that. And it was when Nicholas did a clinic for some for a group of Mexican coaches that came to Miami, and that's when he first set up the clinic um, uh, sort of platform to, to teach, because prior to that he had been doing mostly um, individual lessons. and um, So I had a little bit of an advantage, because by the time I saw myself on camera, I had already been working with him for a while. but You know, there were obviously still things that I could uh, improve upon, and it was a revelation, you know, for me to see. It took me a while to figure out, you know, exactly. It was frustrating because I saw that there were still some problems, and um, I think I wasn't as clear obviously back then because the the theory has evolved as, as we've moved through these past 20 years, 25, 30 years, And the concept of unweighting has become better understood. And when I understood that better, it became a lot easier to uh, correct errors, I thought.
7: The Pose Coach Certification website, TechniqueSpecialist.com, lists over 750 specialists worldwide. The countries with the most certified specialists are the U.S.A. with 283 and China with 215. In Europe, Germany has 29, Denmark 20, and the United Kingdom 15. while most other European countries have up to 10 certified specialists. In the Asia-Pacific region, in addition to China's 215, Taiwan has 27 certified specialists, Hong Kong 26, Japan and Malaysia each have two, and Australia and New Zealand also have one certified coach each. In the rest of the Americas, Canada has 27, Brazil, seven, Ecuador, two, and Mexico and Jamaica, one each. There are 106 technique specialists in the database who don't specify their country location. The Pose Coaches Worldwide Facebook Forum currently has 389 members on the next episode we will survey the pose technique specialist database to see how many are physiotherapists crossfit coaches or exclusively running coaches
3: motion is created by the destruction of balance before we get a little bit too far off track with this podcast uh, i wanted to kind of redirect things and ask you collectively how does it feel being the lone voice of sanity in the world of movement um, there's a lot of you know disinformation noise out there. I've had my run-ins with people uh, debating the proper way to move and to run. Uh, how do you coaches
5: handle those things? Well, at one point, uh, I I had an inkling to uh, challenge these people, but I don't any longer. Uh, after uh, trying to uh, correct the same errant argument over and over from different people over several years, I realized that uh, that was futile. And I I don't need to educate other authorities, per se, unless they ask. Uh, I would just concentrate on finding people who were open to the idea that something could be different than they expected. Uh, I think that's evolution. You know, I think...
3: It's been my experience uh, with Dr. Romanov early on that he wanted to pick battles, pick his battles. And I think once he put out his first article, the one that was in the Journal of Biomechanics, you know, he was very distraught over a lot of the criticism that came back at him and he got frustrated. But I think, you know, in the long run, it's very difficult to get out there and, and change people's belief systems um, and carry that torch all the time um
1: so i uh i agree i mean i'm i'm uh sort of in the same vein as chris in that in the early days i was sort of you know very you know ready to argue with people and we we had a forum and and um I, I too have let go of that because I have seen that it really makes no sense to argue with people who are really only there to stand up for what they believe in. and. Um, I think that that is, you know, th- that's a lot more peaceful for all of us, and it, I think it. I think it's a learning curve that we all needed to go through, because I think we were all so excited about this knowledge that we had, and it's natural to want to share it with everyone and let them know, I mean, but, you know, it tends to be almost like religion, where People are so stuck on their way of looking at things, especially when the culture has been steeped in this other idea about how we move. You know, being the the push model, that um, they you know they can't hear what we're saying because they don't have the background for understanding it. But now that technique is becoming more and more of a something that people are even open to hearing that it exists in running, uh, it's getting a little bit easier. Uh, you know, with a lot of the mothers of kids that I work with, I can tell that many of them are interested because they've heard that technique matters. But years ago, technique didn't matter.
3: Yeah, he definitely was the first to introduce that. Um, and obviously that idea of, of proper mechanics and, and running. Um, how was it in Europe um, for Simon or Weiland uh, with the acceptance of pose method? Um, and for you as a coach, were there a lot of battles for you guys to pick?
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, again, not, not so much that I wanted to go into battle. But when people wanted to talk about running, I instantly gave my opinion as strong as I could because I felt like it was definitely right. Um, and then I realized that I, it it was a long argument of just not really going anywhere unless they were really open or willing to change their mindset a little bit, then it was, it was almost non starter. So I think really like when I started, I looked at triathlon, I looked at running groups and I, I kind of honed in on the idea that they might want to change their running and there was some success with that and it got a few clinics going, but then CrossFit definitely was the game changer. It, like I said, the mindset and, and what Lynn just touched on was the, the idea that technique wasn't actually a thing. I thought, okay, yeah, the, at least these people are accepting it. They're going to, they're willing to change their mindset um, in terms of, okay, everything may have a technique going from a deadlift to a pull-up to a press-up, etc. And uh, running is just another one of these movements. If they're going to learn to row on that machine, and surely they're going to learn to run outside. Yeah. You know, and although I say that like confidently that it was accepted, it still wasn't like it caught on fire, but people were willing to listen a lot more, and that was important, definitely.
6: Wylan? Well, the best experience was when people are open, as we said. So if they have an open mind or it comes from if they get injured, always, let's say, they are more more open than um they want to get a faster raise or whatever. So uh, the best experience I had at the beginning was these guys. I had very little groups, like four, or five people, at the beginning, and all of them had some kind of injury. And and at the end of the course or at the end of the day, we could fix a lot of these things, you know. And uh, as soon as they keep going with these recommendation, we gave them. Uh, they keep off these uh, um, problems, you know, and they get better results and so on and so on. And also for me was a game changer was the, uh, the CrossFit community because they are much more open minded um, in this way as normal running groups or triathlon groups and so on. Um, so the CrossFit mindset is much better to work with as a post coach, you know, as with a regular runner group or so. That was, uh, and the most the most success we had here in, in Germany or German speaking uh, areas was these uh, this injuries thing because nobody can help them. You know, no doctors, no physios uh, as on a long-term view. So that was it.
3: Um, do you think it's somewhat of a waving a white flag by us not picking battles and not challenging the other theories that are out there, not confronting people or people's belief systems?
4: I, I personally don't. I
5: think if you have the opportunity to publish something, then uh, then kick the hornet's nest. And if you're speaking in front of a group or if you're speaking to an institution, then, uh, then, then rattle their cage. But when you get these random knuckleheads, uh, like say on an internet forum, or emailing you or talking to you uh, more individually, then it's, it's really not worth the effort to try and defend. Uh, yeah, I can feel your frustration. I've, I've but,
3: wasted many days uh, fighting with people on the internet.
5: Uh, you know, maybe you've reached some people, but what I'm saying ultimately is if you have a big audience, uh, then from that platform, uh, shake the tree but on an individual basis, there's there's no use in arguing.
4: No. Yeah, ultimately for me, I kind of, whenever I think about pose running and when I want to maybe um, coach somebody or think about influencing a group or a certain person, I think of it from another sporting point of view. So if I think about golf, for example, I'm kind of into golf at the moment and I've got to a point where I either learn the technique of hitting this ball, or I just keep hitting these sort of relatively okay balls, but they keep randomly hit other places. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's the same thing with running. Like you, you can get to a point where you just enjoy it for the basic need of a bit of air and a bit of time on your own and a bit of fitness. And then you do get to a sticking point. The difference between the golf or any sport versus running is that running doesn't have the option to improve your technique or people don't see it. So for me, it was getting the information out that you've got the option I'm right here, but come up to me when you're ready. And that was the important game changer. So when I was in the gym, cause I've always been in the gym pretty much my life, I've always given it the, okay, look, here's some information. Here's a poster. Maybe I've put on the wall, read it when you, when you can. And then when your are running is ready, come to me and we can take it to another level, but yeah, I can't force it on people.
5: Yeah, there are, um. Ways that some of these uh, well-known coaches gather their uh, their athletes. And one I'm thinking of, and I won't mention his name, uh, but he pretty much trolled junior high schools looking for athletes because they're going to start showing up then. And, uh, and he found some and began coaching them. Now, they would have been successful with or without him because they just had the talent.
7: Who are the elite world class athletes who have been role models in the past and had success with the pose method? Jurgen Zach was a seven time Ironman champion, a duathlon world champ, an eight time Ironman Kona top 10, and second place Ironman Kona 1997. In Triathlete Magazine, June 1997, he said, quote, At the Multisport School of Champions, I worked with the Russian coach, Dr. Nicholas Romanov, on my running form. After the session, I bent my knees a little bit. It looks like a shorter stride, but it's not. My leg turnover is quicker, and my foot rests on the ground less. This new running style puts less stress on my quads and back. It works, because before I was never able to do better than a 1.03 for 11 miles on my tempo runs. I managed 1.01.30 after this session. The style is more fluid. I feel 30 pounds lighter when I run. Speaking in February 2014 on the MX Endurance podcast, episode 17, Winds of Change, about the 1997 Roth Ironman, where he finished second place in a time of seven hours and 51 minutes and 42 seconds with a marathon run split of two hours and 47 minutes, Zach said.
6: So in this race, uh... I was really well prepared, I was fit. I changed my running style for this event and I went back to more big foot running I'm like this midfoot running. Midfoot running? Yeah, coach yeah. uh, Dr. Nicholas Romanov.
7: Romanov. Post. Post method. method.
6: Yeah. And that brought me back to my old running style when I was more businessman. And I was more fluid, I and run more mileage without uh, putting stress on my back. And I was in the best bike in my shape ever.
7: Triathlete Tim Don won four world championship titles, set an Ironman world record, was the 2002 world duathlon champ. He worked closely with Dr. Romanov and was quoted as saying, quote, the pose method of running has been fundamental to increasing my speed. Andrew Johns, a two-time European and two-time ITU World Cup champion triathlete who also worked one-on-one with Dr. Ramanov, endorsed pose method. Quote, this technique has cut three seconds off my 400-meter times and up to a couple of minutes off my half-marathon times. British triathlete Leanda Cave was World Triathlon Champion in 2002 and the 2012 Ironman Triathlon and Ironman 70.3 World Champion, the first woman in the history of the sport to win both titles in the same year. In a 2014 interview she was quoted as saying, quote, I made some great improvements with Nicholas Romanov and I think fast cadence is probably one of the keys. Having very fast cadence improves your economy. Your ground contact decreases muscle fatigue. Another point is low oscillations, not moving up and down, but moving forward. And then, finally, using your body to lean at the precise angle and using the forward momentum of the weight of your body to gain momentum. Ramanov encouraged forward lean, or falling, he liked to call it, who will comprise the next generation of elite athlete role models embracing Poe's method.
3: Motion is created by the destruction of balance what do you guys think is the best model for pose? Um, should it be just recreational, which tends to be the dominating situation right now, or should it be more like, you know, let's tap into some elite athletes?
1: It, it would be nice to be able to reach higher levels of runners. And, um, you know, I, It's just a shame that we haven't been able to necessarily tap into, you know, like the Oregon, like that Alberto Salazar is working with, you know, Mary Cook and uh, those girls instead of us, you know? So I do bemoan that, uh, I've just always thought that that there should be a way to get their eye by showing them video of themselves, because everyone's interested in seeing video of themselves, and then telling them, you know, this is what you could improve. But the question is, you know, I don't know.
6: I would say the the recreational runners are, is the best way because you get much more uh, interest in a faster time, you know, because the professionals have their long-term coaches, whatever, um, and they have their physios and their special treatments and their special, whatever scheduling plans and so on and so on, you know, they have a a good stuff behind and the recreational runner think if they buy a, a special kind of shoe what the industry means, which is a good shoe. That's all you need. You know, when when we talk about uh, running or getting better running results or technique, uh, not technique, we are not talking about technique. That's the point. We are talking about gimmicks. You know, this is what uh, Nicholas always says. We it's just a discussion about shoes, for example. You know, nobody cares about strength, flexibility, things, what we include in our running training and so on. Um, so the crowd, the, the recreational runner is probably the best way to, to spread the mm. word fast, you know?
4: Yeah. There, I think that there's definitely a, a point there in in terms of getting the masses to certainly join in with uh, the notion this is, this is normal, but I also think that a lot of frequent questions I get from, um, clients that come is that, you know, show me a good runner and then i'll i'll make a choice if i think that is then the technique to go for so they almost need me to show them a professional running pose technique and i show them some examples of good runners that have this pose-like movement and i I can't like all out say these guys learn pose technique so it's really difficult because then you're like okay i'm stuck with this notion i'm trying to teach them something that not every single professional should be learning (laughs) but they're not so you you i think a role role model is great and i think you know again probably with Dr. Romanoff coaching uh, other professionals already. But if we had one that was already saying this on TV, it would make a huge difference to a lot of those recreational runners in an in instant, but then changing those peoples still is okay. We need to get away from the, the ch- trainer issue, the sports therapy issue. It's all about technique still. But if we had that kind of role model, you know, you only need a few, but I think that would make a huge difference also.
1: Well. Um, that's interesting, you know, that you should say that because we actually do have some role models, but there hasn't been a concerted effort to market that. I mean, you know, there was um, there were several world-class triathletes that, that worked with Pose, one of whom um, set a world record uh, in triathlon. He he. He was the first triathlete in the world to go, Andrew Johns, to go under um, for, uh, under 30 minutes in the 10K in the international distance. And then uh, there was uh, the uh, Norwegian uh, triathlete, I can't think of his name right now, who took uh, He was also a professional ITU and actually uh, marathon—I mean, Ironman distance triathlete. So you know, we we do actually have quite a um, uh, you know list of of uh, of of athletes who have uh, who have achieved quite a bit. You know, both on the elite and sub-elite level. But they're not household names, but if if it were marketed okay. if, if, if if there was a concerted effort to maybe try and reach those people and 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 get them, you know, some of them have come out with testimonials. Um, but you know, there are a lot of people with testimonials. I mean on the sub-elite level I, I, I can tell you about many, you know, including myself. But on the elite level, there are um, quite a few. I think that we've all dreamed of being able to uh, get someone like Usain Bolt to understand what it is about his running that is so fabulous. Um, And obviously, having an athlete that one of us or Nicholas has trained you know to hold out as a model would be great right um but that has been the you know the obstacle has been to get the running it's a culture you know the running culture has never been open to the idea that uh you know their muscles aren't what is the you know prime mover right and so for them to listen to us and to actually start to see reality for the first time obviously has been our biggest problem so you know as nicholas says we are pioneers so you know we do have to accept that we can't be all uh upset you know, it's exciting being a pioneer, you know, it's, it's not because we're doing something so wrong. It's because we're introducing an idea that people have never considered before. And so, you know, that's why it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's also why it's so frustrating, because they're, they're not open to it. Um, right. But so we've talked about this a lot, you and I, Tracy, about how the culture has to change right and the culture is changing gradually but as with everything you know in in mainstream culture just as in running culture there is a tendency for a lot of false and misinformation to get through to people right and so then we have to battle that as well so um obviously you know what we're doing to, here is is sort of an interesting step where there's solidarity with coaches to show that, you know, we are out there as a, as a group.
3: Well, that's sort of been the issue with Pose, that we haven't had the solidarity, that everyone's kind of, you know, on their own. Uh, they have their own businesses uh, as opposed to us getting together as a functioning pose group, or full group, trying to
5: push the movement forward together. Well,
3: well,
1: I think that I think that, that could go ahead, Chris. Uh,
5: I, I wonder what our objective is. Is it for the whole world to realize that uh, this is the uh, the light they've been searching for? Because no matter what it is, fifty percent of the world's going to love you; the other fifty percent isn't. I what what are we actually looking to do I uh, be some level of influence people don't mind doing in a group I've done it with groups and made kind of a game out of it and whether they are consciously taking it on as pose method they're learning it and then they'll some will associate the name whatever but they have a technique. They have an understanding of what running should be. Mm-hmm. And and then they can, just through logic and, and common sense, uh, if there is such a thing, uh, they can kind of, um, Simon, uh, for instance, go against what you were taught in, uh, uh, in school about biomechanics saying, well, no, it's it, it's not exactly that. And I know because, A, I learned it, B, I do it and see, here's the other math that says otherwise.
7: Running shoe retailer and world's largest online athletic shoe review company, RunRepeat.com's 2021 industry report, highlighted market opportunities for running professionals. Their Fitness Trends Global Survey report found that 59% of active adults choose outdoor activities like running as the best way to stay fit in 2021, up nearly 15%. Using personal trainers was the second fastest growing fitness trend, up 47%. Outdoor activities like running were the number one trend in 2020 and 2021, increasing significantly year to year. Other key findings were that 28% of current runners started running during the pandemic. The surveys by RunRepeat.com also highlighted some potential warning signs for CrossFit box owners and instructors. Nearly 28% of gym members globally and 35% in the U.S. don't intend on returning to a gym. The class of new runners are less inspired by competition and races, more interested in physical health and more likely to work with trainers.
3: Motion is created by the destruction of balance.
6: With my son, when he went uh, in fifth class, uh, the, the problem is that the teachers are not open, uh, open as well. You know, they, they learn classical running style stuff at the university. Even young teachers Um, And they try to do the classical falls as well when they start teaching running kind of things, you know. Uh, So my son get a little bit of an idea of that banner stuff behind me and uh, he knows in principle how to do it because it's instinct for him, you know. It's not thinking of technique and learning whatever theory, you know. Uh, when I say I, I did a couple of recordings, and, and you get easily over a, uh, a falling angle of over twenty degrees, immediately it's like boom, you know. <laughs> it's like it kids
3: running. You know, kids—they don't—they ha- have that freedom. They don't have fear, you know, yeah, like yeah, adults.
6: They—they they don't have fear. They just do it. They fall, you know. And we, as as older you get, the more fear you have. It's natural, you know. And uh, we should start in, in, in first class with running classes, you know, and teach the teachers how to do it simple, you know. It's, it's not a theory thing, it's a game. It's a kind of a game
5: to learn how to
3: fall. I mean, I think it'd be amazing. We could get this in the schools with kids at an early age, part of the initial programming of athletic development.
5: Yeah, look what Apple did with computers. Yeah. What was their first target? <laughs> I have to kids. S- <laughs> it, was it was schools. Schools,
3: yeah. Schools, schools
5: yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, right. But then then you mm-hmm. run into the same yeah. institutional resistance. Yeah. But but kids kids do this naturally. When they when they're starting to move and they stand up and they they see something they want and they They lean toward it, they fall, their feet turn over very quickly. They're doing it beautifully. It's when you have the other influences like mom yelling stop and then they throw a leg out in front (laughs) and and so on.
4: Yeah, it's probably two points. I mean, the the um, the aspect that you've got to get into schools, I absolutely agree with. I've had two PE teachers who have done. They've either brought their kid to see me to learn to run or, or learn better anyway and uh, another one was one that invited me to the school to do a clinic with his pupils and both of them were sort of shocked that they hadn't done it before or they really want it to happen more it, it, it there is definitely a willingness to to see that and i think showing the um the pe teacher and actually doing a video analysis on them getting them to really reflect would be a huge game changer that it it's going to be tough again but i think they're the people to it uh, would be a great target um For sure. I think there's still a broad uh, amount of things we can still teach kids in terms of the perception of their fall. It's a lot of time when they come to see me, it's that they are falling and it's great to see them doing this instinctual fall much better than what adults do. But I still find that they don't necessarily perceive it accurately and that there's um, a, a notion that we can still give them a lot more simple cues. And if we give PE teachers The cues themselves, they can take that into that trickle down effect to kids. And, and there's a lot still to be done with children. And, uh, I think again, Tracy might want to punch in on this one, but the idea that there's, there's so much more to be had and we can't just leave it on the the idea that they already have an instinctual movement. Actually, it still needs to be taught so they can tell their parents or other people that they learnt a version of something, a form or a technique that helped them to, to go the next level, because that will be how others will learn.
5: I think the kids perceive as accurately as anybody, uh, as deeply as anybody. I think, however, they're perceiving it unconsciously. So uh, a a horse, a cheetah, a bird, a fish, they perceive as well as we do and we as well as they do. Uh, The thing that I think you're saying is we need to make this uh, perception more conscious so that it can be deliberately worked with and also transferred to others. And there are all kids will perceive roughly the same way. But what I found and observed is that kids are in shoes even before they're out of their crib. They're wearing socks, they're wearing shoes, and they are, their sensitivity is already being blunted because they're going to spend their lives in the shoes, and then with parents uh, admonishing them to you know stop before they run into the street, it 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 bears on the technique, and they start to restrict themselves. And one of the ways is they put that heel out in front of them, or maybe they develop uh, some levels of fears uh, of giving themselves to gravity where. Where, where children, before they know any better, just usually let go. Now, granted, there are two fears we come out of the womb with, and that's fear of loud noises and fear of falling. Uh, but but kids generally, before a certain age, they, they just, they explore the boundaries, they release into it, they run with a fast cadence, and then they lean to come out of it. So, Uh, It's already there. Just making the unconscious conscious is, I think, what our job actually is at at the uh, youth level.
1: So it's already there. But unfortunately, when they get into a junior high coaching program or even before that, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be drummed out of them, unfortunately, either by their parents or by the coach. You know, pump your arms reach out all of that stuff lengthen your stride so you know that's why uh, and, and and then you know because of those those obstacles that are constantly wearing away at their natural uh, tend you know their natural abilities to fall without fear they they also um, uh, you know they're they're not going to systematize it because these these things are constantly wearing away at it. So they don't have a standard to go back to when things start, you know, when things start to fall apart.
5: Right. Yeah. Well, also, these coaches in, uh, well, across the board, uh, like politicians, have to do things to justify their position. So... Whereas uh, legislators will create more and more laws, uh, coaches will come up with more and more creative, uh, albeit uh, erroneous and detrimental techniques and and approaches. Where it's it's really not necessary. It's it's uh, Nicholas did a good job of simplifying pose fall pull. There you go. That's the whole of it. Uh, there are nuances that you can develop, but it's that simple. And it's, it, it doesn't translate into anything longer than that, as opposed to pumping your arms, push off, paw back, and uh, all of that stuff that goes into this whole convoluted ball of wax.
3: I mean, that's true, Chris, but from my standpoint, the post-fall pulls, not always that simple. You know, I was able to um train some hurdlers and jumpers and sprinters, distance people, you know, all a variety of events in track and field, and it becomes a little bit more difficult to understand the poses and acknowledge or be able to teach those poses and situations, you know, um, I trained with Dr. Romanoff some triple jumpers, which gave me a very unique perspective on training and and, you know, daily preparation and the methodology of trying to make athletes better. So, although it is about pose fall pull, um, it's a little bit more challenging than just that simplicity of an idea. Um, you know, I've met a lot of resistance from people um, that didn't really understand this, you know, especially the falling portion of it. So the challenge is always, you know, finding people with an open mind and those that yeah. are really ready to hear the message.
6: Because then they're they are, they, right. they open their mind. If they look for a a, a quick fix, uh, they're open and listen what you have to say.
7: A brief history of post media publishing and some random statistics. The monograph, Poe's Method of Teaching Running Technique, was first published in the Soviet Union in 1988. It contained 12 technique exercises. It was translated and published in the USA in 1994. The VHS tape, Poe's Method of Running, released in 1997, further detailed the theory of Poe's presenting 18 rules of running technique and 44 different technique drills. A DVD edition was released in 2001, along with a Pose Companion drill book that expanded 21 rules of running and highlighted 10 key principles of Pose Theory. The Pose Strength and Conditioning Handbook for Hamstring and Hips presented over 150 different exercises for beginner to advanced training. The seminal 2002 Pose Method of Running book presented everything together. Basic running drills, elasticity exercises, hip and hamstring exercises, and introduced key flexibility exercises. Dr. Ramanov's 2006 Training Essays Volume 1 contains 61 chapters covering theoretical and practical topics. Pose Method's Conceptual Basis, Learning the Pose Method, Training in Pose Method, Strength in Running, and Running Injuries. Published in 2008, Pose Method of Triathlon Techniques expanded pose movement theory to the bike and swim disciplines with introductory and advanced running drills, and for the first time, pose cycling drills and pose swimming drills. Pose TV, the Pose Method YouTube channel, was launched in 2007. It currently has nearly 38,000 subscribers and almost 300 videos with views totaling 8.9 million. Other posts social media accounts have over 4,000 followers on Twitter, 28,000 Instagram followers, and 45,000 followers on Facebook. Arriving in 2014, Dr. Ramanov's The Running Revolution was aimed at beginner and experienced runners distilling the pose method to 10 key lessons, 16 key drills, along with 31 flexibility exercises and eight strength exercises. The pose method of running and The Running Revolution have been translated into 12 languages. To Nick with Love, written by Dr. Svetlana Ramanov, contains zero. Drills and one epic love story. Motion is
3: created by the destruction of balance. How do you guys deal with parents when you bump into them? Um, I know some parents come in and they're interested in learning something, or getting their, you know, kid, uh, an opportunity to, you know, improve and get better. But how do you kind of talk through pose with them?
6: keep it simple and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because you can you can't start with post fall pull, maybe, maybe you can start with fall because you know, it's a natural movement. But uh, just give them basic information um, that that is for my opinion is the easiest way to jump into these technical thing. Um, In the earlier days, 15 years ago, when I started as coaching, um, I, I jumped much too far into the theory and did lots and lots of drills, you know, and this is too complicated at the end of the day. So we started with six hours full day lessons, sometimes eight hours lessons. And this is much too much, you know, so as 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 less you can uh invent or as less you 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 offer them for the beginning and then maybe in a second and a third session it is easier for them to learn quicker you know so keep it simple stupid you know as more simple as better
3: (laughs) yeah i mean i think all of us came out of our certifications we tend to want to use every tool in the book um every tool in the tool yeah like every drill and I felt like in my business, it's really challenging to use all those drills. Um, it's hard for people to take that concept of the drill into the actual running portion. Um, so I actually found a little more success almost teaching people as they're actually running um, instead of just doing the drill and trying to understand the perception mm-hmm. that's involved with the
6: that. The point is that they, most of the runners or whatever uh triathletes uh, are not listening to their bodies you know to their body signals so the perception is never ever there so they're just looking for time looking for distance looking for speed whatever you know or repetitions and so on and so on they're not looking for signals from their body what, what do they receive? What do they get, you know? Is the heel touching the ground? Is the forefoot touching only? And things like that, you know?
1: Well, um, trying to get, I mean, as we were saying earlier, when athletes come to us, a lot of times it's because they're having problems, you know, either, I, I work a lot with, uh, you know, junior high and high school, Cross country and track athletes, girls usually, and um, a lot of times they come to me because either they're injured or you know they've heard about me and they want their little girl to do better. Um, but uh, one thing, I mean, it does help for me to have my own story, and you know, locally, I, I, you know, I do have this pretty amazing story <laughs> that I was basically a, an injured runner for 18 years, and, and the year I turned 40, I started racing again after working with Nicholas, and I won a state championship that involved 13 races. And, uh, you know, it, it was like races all over Florida, Miami, Palm Beach, uh, you know, and, and uh, Fort Lauderdale. And so I, you know, I have, um, even though it's been many years, I do have that story to tell about my local running, uh, you know, my little local running career. You know, I used to win races in Miami. So when they hear that and when they hear what my times were and that I ran under 18 as a 40 year 41 year old, um, that, that gets them to sit up a little bit, you know? And then I tell them about other students that I've had who are in their 40s who are, you know, running 5K and 17 and, you know, and I have worked with some of my friends, uh, uh, you know, some of my friends who I helped and, um, so I do get into telling them that uh, what I did for 18 years was, was a problem and that it wasn't until I understood what I came to understand that I was able to change and that helps open up their, their, their ear, you know minds and, and, and eyes. And then of course when you videotape them that also gets their interest because when you can start to show them right off the bat, uh, and usually I do give them a, a video right off the bat just to, you know, in the in the first session, um, that gets their interest. And then, you know, I, I go through the concepts gradually, but I do, I, I feel strongly that it's important to introduce the concepts because Otherwise they're learning in a vacuum. And yes, you do have to be measured and you have to know who you're talking to and you have to see how they're accepting it. But, um, I do think that the concept of gravity and how we're interacting with it is an important thing to bring up.
3: Switching gears, um, what are some of your highs and lows as coaches? Some of your successes or some of your Frustrations and experiences as coaches.
4: That could be open to anyone. Uh, one of my highs. <laughs> one of my highs. One of my highs was um, certainly I had a, a a professional athlete come to the gym at one stage many years ago now, and I got very excited because it was kind of probably early times of me being a Pose Method coach, but. We're very excited by the idea that I could try and influence this, this lady um, as quickly as possible. She, she'd got a bronze in the Commonwealth Games. For me, it was like, OK, I need to uh, show what I can do. She, she said she had some injuries. She was working with Kelly Holmes, which you may know, you may not know. But um, she um, decided that after several nagging chats with me over about two weeks, she thought she'd give it a go, and after doing a bit of a video analysis, completely di- di- dis, um, dis- dismissed. Dis- actually, she left Kelly Holmes, and, and she decided she'd work with me. And I thought that is unbelievable. The power of what I was giving her was better than a gold medalist 800 meter runner. Um, but it, it's it never it never sort of it never really surprised me either. I felt really confident in what I was doing, and you know, offering a a template that i thought was the most truthful with running and uh that has been an absolute it's always kept that kind of fire in me to, to say that i could coach anyone it, this isn't this isn't just a simple form this is for everybody to learn from um, from very young to very old and from amateur to professional it seems like a really basic thing that people need to kind of get hold of if they're going to run
5: right Chris? well uh there are a lot of athletes and runners and non-runners I've worked with and and it's it's always nice to have them uh, see the light but one of the things that sticks out that I um I found kind of entertaining was I was at a physical therapist um office and he had a large gym where a lot of pro athletes and elite athletes from the the schools and whatnot uh and professionals would train uh, it was it was quite nice and he also did some presentation to USC on running technique, and uh, one of his physical therapists was uh, someone I worked with on, on running and also fitting her bike and so on and I asked if I could come down there and uh, and use their force plate and I said yeah come on down so I ran over the force plate and I intentionally did a heel strike and the guy who was running the software said, great, we got it. I said, no, I got to do that differently. He goes, no, 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 we got it. It's right here. I said, hang on. So I came back and I ran as as we would all run. And, um, and it's just that nice little sine wave. And he looks at that and he looks at the other one. And he's just baffled. Said, How did you do that? I said, you know what? For 150 an hour, I'll show you. but it was it was night and day and it it made no sense to him how it was that i could change that and and that was a powerful realization i think for him but also for me seeing that somebody would respond in that way yeah i
3: recently had a a professional athlete that i was working with um i reached out to them you know on social media and um uh, they were able to at least give me an opportunity uh, to work with her. And, um, you know, we had a lot of success. Um, She was getting better, becoming a faster athlete. And then she went and did competition. And then she almost like ghosted me. So part of the problem was, you know, other, these athletes have other voices in their head. Uh, They have other people that are trying to give them expertise, especially at a very, very high level. You get the influence of what they would think is the uh, exceptional person in that arena who would really know how to do that more uh, easily than I would. Um, So that's a lot of the challenges I think that we face as coaches is getting out there and knowing that we know our craft and know that we know movement based on what we learned from Dr. R., but you know, finding some resistance in the community from people who think, because they've been involved in a particular sport, that they have that expertise there.
5: There are two videos out there. One is Danny Dreyer's Chi running, and the other is, I forgot the guy's name, but he does evolution running, and I happen to watch these, and I, I think their, their videos teaching this so-called technique that they have is the best ammunition you have for one, Danny Dreyer is a heel striker. It's on his video. And and for two, this this idiot coach is talking about uh, in running at, uh, at the mid stance, your center of mass is as high as it ever is, which is not true. It's exactly opposite. It's in walking where at the mid stance your center of mass is high, and at running it's as low as it ever is. But he states it on the video. So he has no idea. And you can show that on the video. And you can, I I would think, completely debunk anything that they're saying just by saying, look, the, the most basic things that one would understand without knowing pose or anything else is that these are errant statements. I mean, so egregiously errant that it should dismiss everything else they say. So that's that's one one way.
3: Right. I don't know. I've had my challenges where I'm actually showing someone a video of Usain Bolt and I'm like, look at the falling angle and they look at me like, huh? What's falling angle?" Like, so sometimes even though you're showing them on a video, it's still what their belief system is. And it kind of interferes with everything. Um,
6: the video helps a lot I think not, not for the coaches, for the, for the clients, your clients are not used to look at their own running, you know? Most most people I teach has um, has no idea how they look when they run, and uh, the first video is so essential for them. Is like, wow, that's a shock for me. How it looks like, you know? So, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's you. You you have the red shirt on, and that's you definitely. <laughs> so believe me. <laughs> and uh, but but you know I'm I'm choking a little bit on, on on clients sometimes but but it helps them you know you you're not fighting against them you want to help them, and and the the, the video analysis we have or we use in Pose Method is so simple as soon as you understand how the concept is behind that, and it's so simple to correct it afterwards you know. You have your several points, you you spot out and say, well, work on this, work on this, work on this, and you're fine, you know, and you give them whatever drills they need, and they can fix it as simple as possible, you know, and and, and nothing else helps in this, in, in, in any other case, when you, when you go to a classical coach and they try to fix some errors or so, they, it's just a try and error, you know, and mostly an error. <laughs> they can't fix <laughs> they can't fix it, you know.
7: Over the last 12 months, the media has been reporting on a new running boom, starting with The New York Times in March 2020, heralding a back to the basics exercise boom, the same month Running USA said to get ready for the third running boom. CNN Health reported in April 2020 that running was seeing a boom because of the coronavirus pandemic. By October 2020, industry analysts like SGB Media started to ask, is the COVID running boom sustainable? And in January 2021, Runner's Life investigated, will there be a bust to the COVID running boom? ISPO Tracking reported in February 2021 that running was one of the trends in 2021 despite the coronavirus and in April 2021, Yahoo News reported that shoe manufacturer Brooks Running was seeing the benefits from the COVID-19 running boom. A May 2021 survey by Runners World confirmed the COVID-19 led running boom. This was backed up the same month by research from runrepeat.com that coronavirus was changing the way people exercise, reported in the Poughkeepsie Journal. So, how can pose coaches and technique specialists take advantage of the running boom and this new wave of runners?
3: Motion is created by the destruction of balance. Several years ago, we had Chris McDougall's book, Born to Run. People were wearing Vibram five-finger shoes. It was the barefoot revelation or revolution
4: i've had i've had still even today i get people talking about that book like it's the new thing it's just come out it it, it's literally plateaued since it came out it just has the same effect everyone still says well barefoot running is very dangerous i don't think i should do it and or i've tried it and it's weird and i you know i haven't had that kind of influx of people saying, oh, maybe I should learn technique. It's more, is barefoot the right answer instead? Definitely. Yeah. So it's been difficult, even with the book, it's still difficult.
6: Yeah. It's people think it's, it's only the shoe who makes the, the technique. Um, in in some cases, people can't use barefoot shoes uh, because of the, the, uh, the weakness in their feet, you know, and you have to find a, a, a a level of solution which is in between a a regular running shoe and a barefoot shoe, um, which fits for their strengths and fitness and, you know, so Mm -hmm. uh, barefoot is a great idea, but not everybody can use it, you know, so.
1: Chris McDougall published his book, I believe in uh, 2000, sometime after 2005, I believe. And Nicholas had been working with uh, the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs starting in 1995. I was training with him then and he was traveling back and forth to Colorado. So because triathlon was gonna be for the first time, an Olympic sport in, what was it, 2006? Or, I can't remember, no. 2000?
3: I think it was 2000.
1: And uh, Nicholas's ideas started getting disseminated through high-level coaches from around the world after he went to the... Colorado Springs Olympic Training Center. So that's when the evolution guy grabbed onto it in Colorado. And that's, the, basically Chris McDougall's book sort of came, uh, he got a lot of his information from interviewing people in Colorado who had been exposed to Nicholas. Right. And the Tarahumara Indians had been written about back in the 80s in Runner's World several times. I have the article. That was nothing right. new. The brilliance of Chris McDougall is that he's a great story writer. It's a fantastic right. story. It's right. like reading Raiders reading Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. But it's truly just a marketing Story. It's a story about the Tarahumara Indians and him being with the Tarahumara Indians and Barefoot Ted being with the Tarahumara Indians, and how wonderful it is to find our, you know, fire as, uh, you know, human beings again running in Copper Canyon, and and it's a great story. But all of that marketing about barefoot running. Chris McDougall was just using that as a way to sort of create this, I mean, I don't know if he was doing it consciously or unconsciously, but it was a way to sort of establish a lore about running that helped, I mean, it was brilliant, but it helped uh, get people thinking about running in these very sort of romantic terms. But it really had nothing to do with technique, but he, he did work with Nicholas, I mean, I've told you all this before, he did work with Nicholas several times and that's where he got his, I mean this is my opinion but you know I I do know that that he worked with Nicholas several times that I think that that's what gave him the confidence to, you know he did his research, that's what gave him the confidence to sort of delve into the world of technique but still not be responsible for it And, and he basically turned it into barefoot running. And Nicholas, um, one of his tools that was a, a standard tool in the in the in his in his coach's training box was to take his runners out and run. Take take your shoes off. Go run in the soccer field. Take your shoes off, or keep your shoes on and run on the beach. But you know, back then you could buy racing flats, no problem. So barefoot running. Um, you know, it's kind of like the line in uh, The Devil Wears Prada where, um, where she, she picks up the sweater and she goes, this cerulean blue sweater, you know, you don't even know it that you bought it, you know, casual corner. You don't even know it, but it's because, it's because of uh, Versace or Louis Vuitton that you're wearing it. You know, you're dismissing high fashion. But you're actually wearing, you know, a sweater that came because of high fashion. So that's sort of a, a, long, you know, a different way of looking at it. But so many things that people are doing, were direct cause of, of pose method. Right. But people yeah. have no idea how to trace it back to that.
3: True. Simon, did you have a point?
4: But yeah, I, 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 um, I don't didn't know any of that. And it's quite interesting. But. I, I, Despite that, I'm still a massive fan of the book in regards to the fact that it opened a mindset. And so the the fact that people still come to me mentioning the book is really great because it means that passion from the book is extended to them going, there's something else other than me just running normally. I could actually take my shoes off or maybe learn a running technique. And it, the open mindset for me is the key. The the fact they have options, whether they go barefoot or not, is like, right. That's it. They've, They've opened the door and now we're in. And I really do feel like if we had a pose method book version of that, you know, with a romanticized story slightly, but you know, you could use, you could use a lot of the elite Usain Bolt, for example, and you could kind of relate the fact that he's not necessarily learned it, but he's 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 got a lot of the aspects that we know of in pose method. And you can make a story of it. And I just think we haven't touched on that. We haven't got that passion in a book yet. It's been very formal books that Dr. Ornith have done. And I've, you know, I've read them, I've loved them, but I'm not sure a, Amateur is going to go, I just need to read this. You need to have that passion for running right there. And you need to know you want to you want to go into a bit of nitty gritty with it. Otherwise, it's a little bit too far. The
6: story is missing in the. I mean, the the books are great from Nicholas, no doubt. So uh, uh, you you can learn brilliant if you study that. But for marketing, we are missing as as Lynn said, uh, we are missing the story behind that. A great book writer. do um, you know who who um, who makes the fire in the in the in the athlete so
3: right well should there be a uh, seminal pose book you know talking about Nicholas's life and where pose was and all the things that we've talked about today maybe yeah
6: (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: yeah i find him fascinating (laughs) i mean is it is it kind of up to one of us to write it or coaches like us to get together and write something like that or is it like everybody's kind of hands off and saying no that's just nicholas thing and it's it's his thing to write or not
6: everybody who knows nicholas from a course or a certification is is very impressed i i don't know anybody who says well this was you know Bad course, bad bad seminar. Or so he's he's joking a lot. I mean, I did so many uh, seminars with him, and I, I know all the the black humor he uses. And <laughs> um, and I I still like it, you know. Oh I, yeah. Uh, two years, three years ago, I I was in Poland with him doing a, a CrossFit certification course, and we had so much fun. Um, even beside the, the seminars, you know. Right. <laughs> he um, has a good
1: sense of humor.
4: He yeah, does, yeah. <laughs> he does. always. <laughs> um, I, it, it, interestingly, it, the Tim Ferriss book also caught my attention. I've definitely read The Four Hour Body, but at the back of that, he, he references pose technique as because uh, of the CrossFit endurance uh-huh. that he learned. So he, he references um, pose technique in that, and I thought that might be another hit for people mm-hmm. that they might take on, but I didn't didn't get any feedback from anyone about that book. But, but that was another interesting take, because his Tim Ferriss does very well again at writing and that again made me really interested in the technique part of why people haven't caught on to that it was too small probably of a chapter but
5: I think because you've got a whole nother generation that's come up uh yeah they're just people who aren't aware of it but that's just uh the audience has expanded there are more people to reach
1: I would say that the idea of technique is much more um talked about than it used to be 20 years ago so that's helpful because any any I found that any client that I get when you know where obviously they came to me because of technique you know mothers they're open to the idea of technique they they know that it's a thing
3: what do you think as being the elder statesman of pose coaches that we can offer the other coaches younger coaches the new people coming into the pose family
6: how would i do that i mean i i what i do in my certification classes is that i i want to give the new coaches as much information behind the scenes as possible they don't use it i i tell them they don't use it in a regular seminar But for them, for their confidence, and get a a strong background, a a strong basic, um, took as much as as possible information out of these courses. And also, I I recommend a lot of books and learning stuff, you know.
3: But even beyond all the technique stuff and, you know, the philosophy of Poe's method itself, what can we offer the newly certified people or the people just trying to develop their business uh, from a business perspective, we've been involved in this for a very long time. Is there any advice uh, you would give them? Uh,
4: well, well to, to, to have the opportunity to go to the clinics and actually participate with other coaches. So obviously, like I said, when I did my level two with Dr. Romanoff, that was the, another game changer. I'd had a, a level four um, Lee Saxby teach me and then I had Dr. Romanoff teach me and it was a real kind of eye opener too. actually there's a different way of doing that. And then much to my experience, when I started coaching people, that was the, the most I learned. It wasn't from the books always that I got the best version of me when I coached. It was when I saw something that I never thought about, then I had to think of a different drill or I think a different perception that I had to create for them to understand. And um, so I would say experience more to try and go to clinics and, and be with another coach, even if it's a one to one, get in contact and just yeah, do more.
6: It's, it's always good to have a different kind of teaching, you know, from another coach or another group or one-on-one so, um, because it, uh, it opens your mind as a coach as well, you know. I offer to my new coaches, which I educate, always to attend one of my normal classes, you know, and see how I... I mean, there are two ways. One is the coaching way for a certification. The other one is the daily work you do. Uh, which is different. You know, there's much less information going to a normal seminar group than you have in the background when you do a a certification class. So, uh, and and, and do as much as possible, as Simon said.
1: Um, I guess we're also at the point now too, where um, you could, you know, give your cards to people at running stores. I mean some running stores are open to technique now. And uh, I do have someone at a running store who knows me and he he will give my name to people. So um, you know like I said I work a lot with uh, you know girls on track teams and um, so you know you can you can get customers that way, but as far as helping other coaches, I mean, you know, there's sort of a, a location problem unless they can travel to Dr. Roman. I mean, I would tell everyone to try and if they, if they got their certification with someone else, that it's a good idea because once you're certified, you can attend a clinic for free that you um, should okay. try and make it to a clinic with Dr. Romanov, you know, if he comes to your area or if you want to make a trip, I, I recommend that. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, getting your name out in your community can be helpful because once you start working with kids in school, uh, you know, mothers tell other mothers and then you get, you know, you can get a a following that way.
4: Yeah. I, I definitely think on, on two of the points, the first question, the last question that they, in terms of business, I would go and get yourself, um, known within the physio sports therapist, massage therapist community. And, and that community is definitely one that is improved for me and who I get more referrals from. Because once I got introduced to them and they'd seen a few have actually attended clinics and they understood the principles and they saw it working or they've had a client go to them and they've seen it their injury change, that was the game changer. Because then the referral from that is is really important that they're, they're strong uh, worded people. Sorry, not strong worded, but they they have strong opinions that definitely reflect on how to be a better body and uh, be healthier and injury free. And when you get a referral from them, the client tends to be a lot more up for just changing mm-hmm. everything, and that's great. I, I mean, it's also
6: <laughs> it's also easy to to talk to physios um Mm -hmm. when I talk to them here in 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 German speaking area there are they had a lot of understanding of the human movement and body working you know and uh, as soon as you introduce them a little bit to the post concept they pick it up quickly and understand Mm -hmm. it far good you know and uh, as soon as you can transmit or or the physio can transmit this information because you see the client the injured client mostly more often than you at the beginning, and he can talk, uh, he, he can start talking about that. It helps a lot for you as well as a coach, you know, and then later on, when he leaves the visio, he can hand over to you as a coach, you know.
3: So let's close it there. <laughs> um, I really want to appreciate and thank Chris, Lynn, okay. Simon and Wyland uh, for jumping in and joining me with this initial Gravity of Movement podcast. Hopefully we've disseminated some good information for all the new post coaches and older post coaches that uh, they can gather some information and and get something from this podcast. So hopefully we get together next month and discuss another topic in in depth and detail. Uh, Thanks for your patience with some of the technical issues we've had but it was great to get together and look forward to talking to you all you guys really soon.
1: Thanks, Tracy. Thanks,
4: Tracy. All right.
5: Oh,
7: thanks. Nice to see you all.
5: Great. Happy to be here.
7: Coming up on the next Gravity of Movement episode, The Injury Conundrum, communicating cures and prevention in a world of movement disease.
3: Motion is created by the destruction of...
7: To find Coach Lynn McFadden, check her out on Facebook as at McFaddenOnMovement and also Pose Strong at Running Power Systems. To reach Coach Simon Payne, you can find him on Facebook at Pose Running Coach, Twitter at SimonCP4, that is the number four, and via his website, poserunningcoach.co.uk. You can also check out his eponymous YouTube channel, Simon Payne. To contact coach Tracy Peel, find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under at Tracy Speed and his website, peelsportsperformance.com. To find coach violent Heiser, you can check him out on Facebook at Pose Method Master Coach, Twitter at Pose Method Coach, and through his website, mastering-movement.eu. To reach Coach Christopher Drozd, you can contact him through his website sportfit.com and ChristophersGindYoga.com. Sound design by Stefan Dodorovic. You can find him at Misty Speaks. Graphic Design by Jana Dudnik. Voiceover by me, Haley Penland. You can find me on Instagram at Penland Productions edited by Daniel Fernando Machuca, who also did the motion graphics animations. You can find him on YouTube at MCHK. This podcast was created and produced by For Your Adventure Productions.